Are you involved in a ministry where you're serving God? If so, what is it that you find satisfying? Let me tell you, if your joy is determined by how people respond, you'll be often disappointed. In Luke 10, Jesus reminds you that joy is not dependent upon your work in the world. It's really dependent on God's work in you and for you. Stephen's lesson is called Perspectives for Balancing Ministry Life. In our last wisdom journey, we had a rather stiff wind in our sail as we we breezed through seven principles rather quickly. Jesus is teaching 72 disciples. He's preparing them for what we might call a short-term gospel outreach or a short-term mission trip. Well, now we arrive at verse 10 of Luke chapter 10, and the first word we read is the word, but. Now, this, of course, is going to mark a contrast to what these 72 disciples have already learned. The ministry before them is going to be exciting. It's going to be challenging. They're going to encounter blessings, but (laughs) they're also going to encounter problems. So as the Lord continues to prepare them for their ministry assignment, He offers them some perspectives now to shape their thinking realistically. And these perspectives, by the way, are just as valuable for us today as we take the gospel to our world, especially if you're today serving in some some type of vocational uh, ministry. Here's the first perspective. There will be times when your ministry will not be appreciated or desired. The Lord says here in verse 10, But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, now they're probably wondering, how is that possible? Jesus is giving us power to perform miracles. The lame are going to walk, the blind are going to see. Who is it going to want us? Jesus is telling them here, it's not only possible that they're not going to want you, it's it's predictable. Uh, Jesus says, I want you to expect that anticipate that. There will be times in your ministry when a friendly face is not going to show up, when your needs are going to be ignored, when you're rejected or or ridiculed. This is a reminder that no matter what you say or do, you might not be well-received. And that's because the message, by the way, is going to be convicting. The gospel is a message of salvation and freedom and grace, but it's also of sin and guilt, and judgment. That's why this second perspective is something disciples of every generation need to have in mind. Here it is. Uh, Number two, the message of the gospel not only provides an invitation, it delivers an ultimatum. Jesus is saying, now, should a village reject you, here's what you're to do, verse 10. Go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. This was customary as a a public warning delivered in the streets. By the way, the Greek word for street here refers uh, to a well-traveled street. Uh, This is where the greatest number of people are going to hear the verdict. 
Jesus goes on to say here in verse 12, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, when Jesus refers to that day, uh, this is a reference to the final judgment of the unbelieving world described over in Revelation chapter 20. This is, this is shocking to hear. Sodom will be judged less harshly than villages that reject these disciples. That's a shocking statement. And, and it's followed by another shocking statement here in verse 13. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. In other words, these Jewish villages will suffer greater judgment than pagan Gentile cities like Tyre and Sidon. And then to the city that served as the Lord's ministry base— During his ministry uh, years, he delivers this rather shocking indictment. Verse 15, And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. Now, in addressing these various Jewish villages or cities, Jesus uses the word woe here in verse 13. Woe to you. That's an expression that conveys a a serious warning. But if you had heard Jesus delivering it, you would have heard sorrow in his voice. The word woe is a lamenting, sorrowful warning. See, Jesus is presenting a a rather tragic revelation here, and, and that would have been his tone. The greater your exposure to the truth, Jesus is saying, the greater your future judgment if you reject the gospel of Christ. Now with that, Jesus gives them a third perspective to keep in mind. Here it is. Rejection is not necessarily about you. It's ultimately about Jesus. Jesus says here in verse 16, The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. You see, these cities, these villages, these individuals who reject the king's representatives are ultimately rejecting the king. And we're not to take rejection personally as we faithfully declare the Lord's message. By the way, this is a subtle warning to these 72 disciples. The rejection of their message should not mean they're to change their message They're to make their message less offensive, uh, maybe more appealing. You know, Jesus never trained his disciples to be appreciated. He prepared them to be rejected. Now, following verse 16, these men now take off in pairs, and then sometime later, a few weeks later, more than likely, they return. Verse 17 says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18 records the Lord's immediate reply. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. (laughs) I believe Jesus is reminding them that Satan fell because of his pride. So Jesus is effectively warning them, you know, don't swell up over ministry success. Now, with that, the Lord provides some much, much needed balance. Here's another perspective for us to consider. 
Your joy must not depend on ministry perfection, but on your final destination. See, these disciples, they're excited about their miraculous power and, and the ministry results, the ability to cast out demons even. They, they all had some measure of, of what we would call a rather exciting short-term mission trip. But the Lord says to them here in verse 20, Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love that word written. That means inscribed formally. It was used in reference to wills and marriage documents and even peace treaties. A city had a registry where the names of the citizens were written. Jesus is saying to these disciples, look, you're a believer. Your name's been written in the registry of heaven Now, with that, verse 21 tells us, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father. Well, let me stop here and just point out that you have all three persons of the Trinity in this little praise and prayer meeting taking place right now. It says, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father. How wonderful it is beloved, to consider that the triune God is involved in rejoicing over the fruit of gospel ministry. That leads me to another perspective to remember. Here it is. Encouragement in the harvest field depends on the mystery of God at work in the world. Let me go back and read the rest of verse 21. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Hmm, what a mystery. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved in the ministry. They're, they're involved in our lives. They're, they're out there right now, as it were, the Godhead in, invested in the harvest field where you have been assigned. And that means you are never alone in his work. God is involved behind the scenes. Here's one more encouraging perspective to keep in mind. Where we are in redemptive history invites us to praise God. Listen to what Jesus says here in verse 23. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you, disciples, that is, that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus is saying, you're you're so blessed. Why? Well, think about it. You know so much more in this New Testament dispensation than the prophet Isaiah knew than King David knew. You have a completed Bible. You can actually introduce people to the Messiah, and you know his name, Jesus. You're on the other side of the empty tomb. You even have a description of heaven. The prophets and the kings couldn't imagine. So here's where it leads us. Let's take advantage of everything we have today. And let's keep these perspectives before us as we invite our world to follow him, the King of Kings, 
and Lord of Lords. Well, until we set sail again on our wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called Perspectives for Balancing Ministry Life. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. He brings you these daily lessons from a desire to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. He has an extensive collection of free lessons, sermons, and other resources. Visit wisdomonline.org to learn more. Then join us next time to continue this wisdom journey.